Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. So we brought on some friends for this episode, a couple of the guys from the Aftercast, as well as a friend of ours who is an expert on the topic. So what are we talking about? Well, in this episode, we're going to discuss how ChatGPT, OpenAI's transformer-based language model, their words, can improve software development with its natural language processing capabilities. And the thing I enjoy about it, code generation. But before we get started, Will, what's been generating your code this week? I think that was a good one. Bitwarden. I am learning all about uh, TOTP set up and trying to get my security picture here a little bit cleaner. I've been on the internet since 1994, I think. So it's a little bit of a dumpster fire, as you might imagine. And uh, I got to get that cleaned up. So are most things from 1994. Yeah, well. Except for music. Nintendo games. There's some good Super Nintendo games that year too. No, seriously, look at like top songs from 1994 and you're like, holy cow, I didn't realize our top albums. Be surprised how many really good songs came out, like their albums came out in 94, even if they weren't released yet. It's like that one block of time in the 60s. And I want to say it was like 67, 68. Yeah, the last few years. Yeah, that had a bunch of really good music. There's like just little pockets of history where that stuff pops out. Mm -hmm. 94 was like that. Had some 93, probably like 93 through 95, I'd say, was just a really good time for music. Yeah, first half of the 90s was pretty rocking between grunge and all the different rock and different styles. Yeah, couldn't agree more. No. All right, Chris, since you're talking, you get to go next. What's going on with you, man? Uh, Well, at home, I've uh, joined a local board game group at a comic book store by us, and we're getting together once a week and playing games like Magic and Catan. And it's, uh, it's been really fun to get away from the digital equipment and kind of uh, being a little old school, so to speak. It's been really, really good. Uh, are you guys playing any co-op games where you guys work together against the game? No, not yet. It's funny because as a, the newest member, they kind of pick the game and I'm excited to see what games they throw at me over the next few weeks. They seem very excited. I guess I have a new victim <laughs> so to beat up on, but it's really fun. Great bunch of guys out there too. Oh yeah. If you guys ever get the chance, one of my favorites is the the Forbidden games, like Forbidden Desert, Forbidden Island. Those are a lot of fun. They're co-op games. So you you all play together and like you each have a different character, like with different abilities, but you have to work together to survive. Is that like a Gloomhaven kind of a board game? That sounds yeah. similar to that in a co-op kind of thing. It's like a tile board game it's it's fun and yeah it's definitely like i play it with my nieces all the time because i like the idea of working together and not against each other so definitely you guys should check that out yeah sounds interesting all right mike how about you man what's going on hey everyone i've been pretty busy lately i've been getting my basement ready to make livable which has been a lot of work but super exciting when i'm not doing that i've been playing a lot of video games mostly hollow knight which has some pretty interesting lore Beautiful visuals, haunting soundtrack, really engaging, challenging gameplay. It keeps me hooked for hours. 
Uh, I've been learning some game development using Unity, trying out programming and 3D modeling and animation. It's really rewarding to see my ideas come to life. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Sure, man. Hollow Knight is a lot of fun, and it's kind of cool to do some some game development stuff. So, and it was made in Unity as well. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Forget about that. All right, Chang, how about you, man? What's going on with you? We have newborn twins, and that is basically taking out all my time. And I'm about to go into my second half of parental leave, so my goal would be that. Learn to use them for as kettle for kettlebell swing and overhead press and bench press when they got uh, their next strength is uh, a little better. So I'm having fun, but also learning a lot of things I didn't know I w- I'm going to learn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. All right, guys. Well, I have been having some fun. I, I would say I've been fighting, but I really haven't been fighting. I connected a contentful back end to Gatsby front end and it was a lot smoother than I expected. I actually sent an email to the client saying, hey, you know some of that stuff that I said we wouldn't be able to get to until like the second release? This went so smooth I can get you guys some of that functionality now. And so very happy clients because of that. So I did that and I've been playing around with um hooking all that up into Azure. So that's been been a lot of fun. That's been what I've been working on uh, on lately in my personal time. And I don't know, like just how well those fit together made me excited for this project again. Because I'd kind of gotten a little like, I'd gotten into the tedium of it, especially with like setting stuff up. And this got me excited again that and I had a meeting with them where I kind of presented what I had so far and the only thing they didn't like was the one thing that I didn't like but they'd asked for and they're like oh yeah we saw this on a different website and thought it would look cool but it does not look good with our colors can you change it like yes yes I can I'll go do that right now because I don't like it either (laughs) I agree with you (laughs) and like I changed it to what they like the next thing they asked for, I was like, hey, this actually looks really good. So it was just one of those things we didn't know until we saw it. But when I did it, I was like, oh, a lot of red. And uh, yeah, they, they didn't like it either, which I was really glad for. So that was that was really awesome. But uh, yeah, it kind of got me back excited about this project. And so that's what I've been up to. Saving money is hard, especially when you're constantly playing with new technology. Yes. I have nothing to say to that. Yes. Yeah. With great power comes great Azure bill. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the phrase yeah. there. Great power comes great electric bill too. I uh, just had dinner and the, we had a fa and the fortune cookie I got says, as Wallace grows, so does the need. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So true. That's true. Speaking of that, Lucas Casadas is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like us at Complete Developer Podcast, he focuses on helping you to not only establish a real plan, but also to take action on that plan so that you can live and create your best life. Now guys, investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances. With the help of Level Up, the compounding impact of making those better financial decisions will easily 
pay for itself, and all those things that your larger wallet wants. Level Up also has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. Best of all, Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. What that means is he's not here to sell you a product, but to help guide you to a better financial situation. And you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics that you probably face or will face. And he interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their own careers. And you can learn even more at levelupfinancialplanning.com. ChatGPT is a powerful language model developed by OpenAI that has been trained on a massive amount of text data. It is capable of answering a wide range of questions and generating text in response to prompts. ChatGPT has been used in a variety of applications, including chatbots, language translations, and text completion. It's based on the GPT-3, but I just got an email... About GPT-4? About GPT-4 coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the launch party was about an hour ago before we recorded this. So. Yeah, so it's going to be basically like JavaScript where there's a new one every month. I don't know if it's going to be that way, but yeah. Well, I mean, once they get it writing its own successor. <laughs> well, <laughs> But for software developers, ChatGPT can be a valuable tool for improving code quality and efficiency. By using ChatGPT, developers can ask natural language questions about their code, get suggestions for improving it, and even generate code snippets. This can save developers time and help them catch errors and improve the readability and maintainability of their code. Uh, So before we go further, I I want to sort of introduce our guests. You guys have met Chris and Mike in uh, previous episodes, or if you listen to the Aftercast. Chang is a friend of ours who uh, used to live up here in Nashville and uh, hung out with us at uh, our developer Launchpad meetup for a bit. So I think everybody's heard the other guy's backgrounds. Chang, just tell us a little bit about your background, education, what you do, that sort of stuff. I Thanks, Beach. And I went, uh, yes, I used to live in Nashville. That was before 2017. I went to grad school there at Vanderbilt and got my PhD in mathematics. And I decided to go into industry and have been really building data science models since. And right now I'm at the company called EasyCater, company Food for Work. That's our tagline. And we deliver stuff, but for mostly lunch for uh, catering events and for company. I still have been building a lot of models and really have been dabbing into more of unstructured data lately. And my last job, I did more of image processing, computer vision type of model. And now I'm I'm tapping into more NLP type of model, like text processing models here. So yeah, that's my background and happy to be here. Really happy to see y'all again. It's been a while. It has. It has. So NLP, that is uh, natural language processing. Yes. Not neuro-linguistic programming, which is the NLP that I know from psychology. Right. <laughs> no, but there's no bandler involved. Yeah. Right. Right. So guys, in this episode, we're going to explore the capabilities of ChatGPT and how it can be used in software development. We'll discuss how developers can use ChatGPT to ask questions about their code, get suggestions for improvements, and even generate code snippets. 
We'll also cover some of the limitations of ChatGPT and how developers can use it effectively while being aware of its limitations. So whether you're a seasoned developer or just starting out, you're going to get something out of this episode. So guys, get started with the first one, the background on ChatGPT. So ChatGPT, and by the way, it's not Chat. GTP. I keep seeing that online and it's driving me up the wall. Uh, Chat GPT is a large-scale transformer-based language model developed by OpenAI in 2020. It's part of the GPT generative pre-trained transformer family of models, which are pre-trained on large amounts of text data and fine-tuned for specific tasks. Kind of curious, like, what does that mean? Maybe like an LE5 on what is transformer-based? I'm thinking like the big robot cars, but that's probably not what it is. <laughs> I feel like this is a Chang question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw Chang lean forward. And I'm like, all right, Chang, you got this one, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't know why they name it Transformers, but I think this, this series of model really the breakthrough is around like 2018, 2017 or something. I think there was a paper called Attention is All You Need or something in the ML community. And almost all the bigger like all the models that you see today you know the chat gpts the what was that image model that stable diffusion that, that the people used to generate like the instagram stuff filters and things they are all from that mechanism called attention and i don't know why they call it transformers but those type of models i would say very different from the old neural network you will read in the textbook and they they can consume a large amount of data but somehow also retain the kind of like memorize the important parts of the data without what they call um catastrophic memory loss or something like that like oh hallucinations or yeah okay. like old models you if once you if the data data you feed it gets too large it kind of like forgets the first part of first half of the data you feed it but this one somehow can kind of like remember all of it I don't think I can explain it in two minutes, so I would just say, hey, go read some articles. Yeah, that's very cool. I'll, t- I'll yeah. ask ChatGPT what it means later. Yes, oh, <laughs> ask ChatGPT what it yeah. means. <laughs> ask ChatGPT. It's not because it's more than meets the eye. That's not what it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Breaking out the dad jokes early. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I looked it up on Wikipedia, the before times, what we went to before ChatGPT. And uh, generative pre-trained transformers are a family of language models generally trained on a large corpus of text data. NanoChat GPT, part of its its data was Wikipedia. I remember reading about that. They're built using several blocks of the transformer architecture. And digging a little deeper, a transformer is a deep learning model that adopts the mechanism of self-attention differentially weighing the significance of each part of the input data. It is used primarily in the fields of neural, uh, natural, I saw NLP and I went neuro-linguistic, natural language processing and computer vision. So I think I just restated what Chang said. Yeah. But in Wikipedia words. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I think what Chang said made more sense, but you know, that's just me. But yeah. Things so, really change, I would say, around like 17, 18. Yeah. It's like before, it's like people are like, what is AI? AI is a like dream, pipe dream. But after this type of thing came out, people are like, holy shit, like what is going on here? This is what I thought Siri was going to be when he announced it many years ago. And it was not. This is 
to me, it's the future of what these home assistants and so many things is just super exciting. I give it like two years, maybe tops, before it's in everyone's hands and on your Alexas and all of that everywhere. Probably less. Microsoft is already doing some stuff with that. So, yeah. Yeah, I think Slack has got a bot for it and some of the other chat platforms do as well. Right now, that's you know, it's not self-hosted though, right? So, you, you know, I couldn't like put it on my NAS. It would have to be, it still has to hit a server farm out there with crazy power requirements, I'm assuming. And then how big your NAS is, I guess. <laughs> a couple houses. <laughs> uh, ChatGPT uh, has been trained on a diverse set of internet text data, including web pages, articles, books, and forums, with a total of 45 terabytes, wow, of text uh, data used for training. That is a lot of, it's a lot of text. <laughs> now, is that compressed or uncompressed? <laughs> and Like I said, I know that they used Wikipedia in that and... I watched a video, and Chang, you can probably tell me more about this, but and it was talking about, because it was like right on the edge of my understanding. I, like, I need to go like read a few textbooks before I really get what they're talking about in this video. It was LinkedIn learning, so I mean, I thought it would be easy. I was wrong. Anyway, it was talking about the different large language models. And like, I know one part was like the difference between something about like the amount of text used versus like the different points that it was looking at in the text. And it basically said up to a certain point, the amount is more important. But once you reach a certain point, it's not the amount of text. It's the number of points it's looking at in the text. I think it makes sense, but I don't know how to parse or expand on what you said. <laughs> oh yeah, but, yeah. No, no, don't worry. It's just, the goal that I was getting at was that it has to do with like not just the amount of text, but the number of parameters too. So it's not only the amount of text. So I'm going to go ahead and read the next point, which is the model has 1.5 billion parameters and is capable of generating coherent and fluent text, making it suitable for a wide range of natural language tasks. But what we don't have here in the outline, though, is what I was watching there. I didn't really understand it that well when I was watching it. But the takeaway that I got was that once you reach a certain point, if you don't adjust your like the way the parameters are set, the amount of text you pass in, you can just keep passing more and more and more in. And it doesn't really matter that much because you don't get as much for the amount. So like it kind of normalizes to as if it had the earlier or the lower amount because that's all it can really do. Yeah. And then you increase the parameters and then then you can add more text. So as that's what I was understanding. I think a lot of the older models, the or older than the GPT type models, you once you reach a certain level of I would call it accuracy, your model will stop improving as in like you can feed it more data. It just keeps forgetting old like the old things you train it on. But with the amount of parameter that they have, and somehow I, I'm not exactly sure how they're able to train this many because there's probably millions of or thousands of NVIDIA GPUs that are using to run this. You are able to keep the interesting parts of your text document corpus to like, it's kind of like what we are seeing when you interact with ChatGPT. It feels like it knows so much. And that is not a trait that you will see in the older language models. It's just amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got some familiarity with 
you know, using neural nets. And, you know, one of the things there that, you know, was determining what the neural net was capable of doing was how many layers of nodes and how many inputs, essentially. And that kind of dictated the, the degree to which it could remember things and maintain accuracy over time. Is it sort of like that just drastically scaled up? I think so. I think that's still the basic mechanism here. Although the scaling and the engineering that goes into it, I can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So to talk about the potential for application in software development is that uh, ChatGPT can be used in software development to generate natural language descriptions of code, making it easier for developers to understand what a particular piece of code does. I've used this even in like some more, I guess what I would call more modern projects. I'll come across some code that I'm working on in a code base. And, you know, it might take me uh, like five or 10 minutes to maybe figure it out. But instead, you know, I'll just throw it into ChatGPT and it'll instantly give me a description. And that's like for working with code that I know. But I think the real potential here, um, one of the real potentials is as far as creating the natural language descriptions is that like the company I work for, a lot of what they, what the lifeblood of the company runs on is old mainframe code, RPG code. There's a lot of legacy visual basic applications. Everyone who wrote that stuff is all retiring. Nobody knows what it does. And I've tested this out with some of the RPG code and to just like have no idea about RPG. It would take me forever to try to figure it out. Like I could take a snippet of code, throw it into chat GPT and instantly gain like a rudimentary understanding of what that code is doing. And I think management is going to really sort of cling to that as a potential cure for all of the workforce that's starting to retire out that understands how these older applications work. I would love to run um, like old assembler through chat GPT to have it make sense of that. That'd be kind of fascinating. Or have it optimize it. Yeah. Cause like, cause if you're not, assembler is not a hard language to learn, but it's you know, yeah. really small and basic, but having it kind of break down what's happening that I got to try that. That's, Really cool idea. As a language, it's not hard to learn, but you can do so much with it that following it can be really complicated. Yeah, lots of little things. Yeah, that's one of the things I like about once you wrap your head around object-oriented, then all you have to do is figure out what this little section does. And also why I like functional better, because if you're doing true functional, it's like whatever this function does, that's all you have to care about at the moment. And another thing that's really powerful with this is, you know, I've, I've had Chad GPT generate me some code and I kind of understand most of it, but there'll be like one line of the code that it generated. And to be able to like copy that one line and say, you know, hey, thanks for the code. I, I like to use manners with Chad GPT so it remembers me fondly in the years to come. <laughs> Rocco's Basilisk remembers how. <laughs> thanks for that. But, you know, can you explain this one line of code better? I don't really understand this in the greater context. And its ability to understand the context is a huge thing to not just like treat every new question as if it's a brand new slate, but to remember the full context of everything it said up to that point is what really sets it apart, I think, in a lot of areas. I would agree with that because I have used it to, I give it a problem. It's like, hey, I, what was the one I ran into recently? Vertically center this div. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pain. I added some no cache, like headers, and it 
suddenly was giving me a um, cores issue. And so I gave it to ChatGPT. I'm like, hey, in Angular, I did this with a .NET backend. And this was, this is what happened. And they're like, well, it's probably not. The first thing was, it's probably not that you added those. It's probably some under other issue causing this problem. I'm like, and it listed off a few options. I was like, nope, all of those are set correctly. It only started when I made this change. That was my response. Like, I didn't list out the things, but like I just said, nope, all of those work. It only started when I made this change. And ChatGPT remembered what I had said before, remembered its answer to what I said before and said, oh, well, if it only started when you added no cache, then it's most likely this and gave me a really great option for fixing it. And so I implemented that. Yeah, it, it was it was really cool. I was like that, like the the interaction there was really neat. It feels like that's what a lot of times when you search just today, like Googling, like on Stack Overflow and stuff, that's where I really relax, right? Like you, it's like, it kind of solves my problem, but how do I go to find the next step? And that's like, feels like that's where it really shines and really wasn't a tool that is available to the developers just a few months ago. And now it's like, wow, I can do this. I'm just kind of wondering, like, I guess they didn't train it on Stack Overflow because otherwise it would say this question is irrelevant. Um, <laughs> Learn the code. Yeah, you know, it would just close the window. <laughs> you know, this is a duplicate of a... Somebody already asked me this. <laughs> but, I mean, it can be used to generate code snippets based on natural language descriptions, which is going to help us you know, prototype code quickly and test it quickly, potentially. Um, I mean, that's essentially what we do for our jobs right now. I found while experimenting with it, we write payroll software. So I had asked it to create a function for me that can calculate federal income taxes in Java. And it actually did an okay job of putting out what I would consider entry-level code. It technically works, but I was using things like doubles and there's a lot of code mistakes. There's a lot of ugly if-elses, but it was technically correct. But So they did trade in a stack overflow. <laughs> Or Microsoft Docs. <laughs> I use experiences working, it's like pair program with a junior developer with a really strong knowledge in a business domain. It'll create the code right, but the conversational part of, okay, now use big decimals, and then it'll replace with big decimals. All right, please don't make the LCFs ugly. It'll structure it. So it's really cool. I really felt like I was pair programming with a junior coder. It was quite an experience. I was explaining this to some of the guys this morning. It's like, because I remember you posted that about about Java, and I was like, "Oh yeah, it's probably worse with Java because of what it was built on." Java is probably the most popular programming language out there, especially for backend stuff. And so there's a lot of material. There's a lot of bad Java code out there. Any older language, I mean, PHP would probably have the same kind of deal because, I mean, there was a very very long time where coding was not very well structured. <laughs> And Java was around for most of it. PHP was around for most of it. Your Visual Basic stuff was definitely around for most of it. So I could I could see that. One of the craziest things I found of it taking natural language into code is regex. To type out, write me a regex that validates a text contains the word elephant between four and 17 times exactly 20 at symbols are just like the craziest thing that you could describe in plain language for a regex. And then to have it just instantly 
spit out a regex that does exactly that. That's really mind blowing to me. It's absolutely insane. You should ask it to implement chat GPT in regex. <laughs> but it also explains the regex, which is amazing. It'll break yeah, it that down. Is, yeah. which is for everything, it can go the other way. Yeah, it goes, it goes both ways. Ooh, I had not thought about using it for regex. It's insane for regex. Absolutely. <laughs> Did we have a conversation not long ago about? Yeah, I think it was like maybe in one of the after episode, like after casts, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about how we we wish there was a better way of of dealing with regex, and now we've got it. Yeah, now we've yeah, got it. and and GPT four <laughs> is out, and that's going to be even better apparently because it's a four and not a three. <laughs> the model can be used to provide intelligent code completion suggestions, speeding up the coding process and reducing errors. Yeah, that's one thing that I I kind of liked, and I've used it with the some unit tests, especially the Jasmine stuff in Angular. I don't know about reducing errors. I found that the code it generates, at least specifically with Java, was okay, but definitely not high-quality code. But it was relatively error-free, in my experience, for what it's worth. Well, I wonder, too, you know, like, at some point, you'll get some way of actually kind of hosting this in your own bucket, like some kind of tenant-based type thing, and you could actually submit your code base as an input. That's what I'm excited for. Absolutely. Getting my project yeah. in there and let it use that as the model. Oh, that's going I wouldn't want to do it right now because then everybody else gets your code at some point. <laughs> well, like this, like a private like repo kind of a thing. I guess that's what GitHub Copilot kind of is, sort of. Not really, but... <laughs> that's why also what, what I've done is I'll take snippets of code and I'll make sure there's nothing proprietary in them. And then put it in, in chat GPT and ask it to, hey, you know, figure out how to do this with it. Or based on this, write a method to do this. Or what I did was I took some code and said, hey, write some Jasmine tests for this. I can imagine some type of long con hack. Maybe it does get to where you can have your own model and your own tenant. And then to slowly inject like bad code and vulnerabilities into someone's data model. So that way the junior developers are generating a bunch of code that like subtly has like vulnerabilities in it that you... Uh, yeah, my mid-level developers do that already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would think prompt injection is going to eventually be a thing though at some level. Oh, it's already there. That's going to be a fun topic later. But you have that now. Like, I mean, like you said, right? I mean... Yes, if, if something afflicts intelligence, it's going to potentially afflict artificial intelligence. I fear what um, once advertisers get a hold of it, but that's probably a whole other discussion. How they're going to ruin it? <laughs> that's... Well, they're already using it, like the you know the hustle guys that are always on YouTube. Oh, you need to you know you need to work like ninety hours a week and forget your family and you know just like eat a cracker every day or something. And I mean that's how you get this kind of body right here, right? Right. One cracker a day. That's it. <laughs> that's a, yeah. But those guys are already using it to write articles. Like I'm, I'm in some affiliate marketing groups on Facebook and some of those people are, are using chat GPT to basically structure articles on their websites for affiliate marketing. So that whole sector is about to get pounded. Media uh, about to get a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I've got, I have a friend who just, released an app for Christian entrepreneurs. And we were standing around this morning talking and uh, we were talking about his app. And one of the other guys was, he has his own financial company and he was, he's writing some articles for the app. And he's like, oh yeah. He's like, 
he looked over at me. He's like, you know anything about chat GPT? Because I'm thinking about using it for the outlines. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm recording an episode on it tonight. So <laughs> I know a little bit. <laughs> Dial in. <laughs> I know we had uh, product managers internally that just like, hey, uh, we have, we're market like e-commerce marketplace company like what if i just ask chat gbt what are the top 10 things we need to do in a e-commerce company and it just like listed like top 10 it basically just lists out all our departments but why do we need partner <laughs> manager anymore just ask chat gbt what, what's the next feature we're gonna develop right there you go but i mean with it being based on a model at some point you know, does your data model get out of date? I think that's also an interesting question. Like, already hit that. Yeah, everything changes at some level, right? Like, I mean, I could see it right now. You could probably ask it, hey, what's the, what are the top banks in the US? And Silicon Valley Bank is probably going to pop out of there because of the input data. When I asked it to create my federal income tax calculation, it was based on a 2020 tax table. So right off the bat, I was like, that's the model that I had. So yeah, definitely. That is one of the limitations in- for the moment. Yeah. With chat GPT and GPT-3 and 4, because 4 is just going to be based on the, the models that it had. But that's something that going forward, I'm sure they're working on uh, figuring that out. I mean, I would be really surprised if they weren't working on that. The thing is, is we all react on old data anyway, right? That's just the way our, our brains do stuff. I mean, there's a latency between me and you talking right now. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that like the... Um you know, I'm sure you've probably heard people are who aren't using it are going to get replaced by people who are using it, not so much replaced by the thing itself. But I think there, there will also be like a flip side to that where people who use it too much and they don't innovate using like our human abilities. Like design patterns? And like people who like rely too much on it and actually remove yeah. that human element will get overtaken by people who use it, but don't use it too much, I guess, is maybe. So one thing that I am not seeing here in the outline, but I do want to talk to you guys about is not like, I really wanted to hit on using chat GPT for generating code and for finding things like that. But the other thing I wanted to talk about was integrating chat GPT into your existing code base. So adding it as like it can be used, the APIs can be used for chatbots, help desk, that sort of thing. What I was thinking of using it for was, again, as a payroll processor, have it looking for fraud in some of our reports, have it scanning security audit logs, looking for anomalies that you might not be able to detect. There's so many great usages for things like this. If that's even appropriate for this, maybe it's not. But I get the sense it is. I mean, I was looking through OpenAI stuff because Will and I got a paid account for ChatGPT. Uh, I've been been holding out. I'm on a freebie. <laughs> I'm holding out a little while to see if I can get management to pay for it. <laughs> is it expensive or? It's not terribly. It's about 20 a month, which is like right at the top of what I was willing to pay for. And I was like, all right. So I mentioned it to Will and he said, go for it. Is that API access or just... Somebody probably asked ChatGPT, what is the maximum charge that you can effectively hit developers with? No, what what they did was they, ChatGPT asked. So when you joined, you got on the wait list for the premium version, they asked what you would be willing to pay. Oh, okay. And so like, it was really cool because they asked, hey, what's the max you think that this app is worth? 
what's the max you would be willing to pay? Because those could be two different numbers. Right. And then what is the minimum that you, at this point, any less than this, and you would think that I'm not really getting anything for my money? For a, for a paid account, it's already like different from the free. And so I think I put in something like, I think it could go up to like 40 or $50 a month. Yeah, for your utilization. I mean, I, that's the other thing too is, you know, if you're using it all the time or something, I could see you know, hundreds of month. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, all right, well, at what I'd be willing to pay, about $20. What I, at the minimum where I think it would be, hey, any less than this, it wouldn't be worth it. I think I put like $5. Yeah, not, not to derail too much, but I've been using GitHub Copilot extensively in my in IntelliJ. And I decided to let my trial run out to see what it feels like now without it. And I'm a couple days in and it's already starting to feel like I'm like, man, why can't I just t- tab? This is such a simple thing. I know chat GPT would complete this line for me. It's like, uh, you know, I already feel that like I miss this uh, ability. <laughs> I pay Copilot up from my personal license $10 a month as well. I just feel it's totally worth it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And like if I want to gener- like I do a lot of like data infrastructure stuff. So like say I want to generate some sort of a Terraform template. I need some shell scripts. I need to write a project requirement documentation that copilots chat GPT. I could just like, hey, give me a template for generating basically batting with the PMs and stuff. It just saves me like immense amount of time where I'm like, okay, now I can take an hour off my day and just uh, go work out or do something else because I, I, I've done my job. And that to me, that's extremely valuable. I mean, it saved me when... Before we did this episode, we even talked about this with with you guys. I was looking into it and I was like, all right, I want to give this a try. And so I tried it with the side project I'm working on. I was like, hey, because there's nothing proprietary in that code. So I didn't worry about it. And I was like, hey, I'm having like, I just gave it a legit problem. I mean, you know, what do you do when you're you're interviewing people? You give them legit problems you're facing to see if they can fix it. So I gave it a, a legit problem and it, well, what did I say? I say it saved me about a week or two weeks worth of work. Now, mind you, this is side work. So probably 20 hours of work, 20 to 30 hours of work, just trying to figure out how to do that. Cause I'm not like, I'm an Angular developer and I'm becoming a React developer, but it really saved me a lot of time. And I figured out how it was doing it because again, like we were talking earlier with the it explaining the code, I figured out how it was doing. I'm like, oh, like I learned so much just about the way React worked from that one interaction with Chat GPT that it's drastically improved this project that I'm on. So it's it's really been awesome. We've kind of hinted at it a little bit. So let's go ahead and get into some challenges and limitations. One of the major challenges of using chat GPT in software development is the potential for bias in the generated text. The model is trained on large amounts of internet text data, which may contain bias, harmful language, bad code, as we've talked about. We're just biased approaches, right? Like, right. I imagine if you had to generate .NET code, it's not going to give you something without an ORM, for instance, unless you specifically tell it. I have actually had it fix some ORM issues that I'm like, 
hey, using this ORM to connect to this type of database, how would you do this? Today, I asked it somewhat of an opinion-based question, working with local date time values in Java. And I was like, do I want to name the variable of this type thing date, or do I want to name it thing date time, you know, to represent that it's a date and a time? And I was like, what does ChatGPT think? How would they do this? And, you know, they came up with some explanation of why it should be, you know, thing date time for the variable name, because it's more clear. But it's like, whose opinion did it take that from? You know, it's, it took that from someone's real typed out response and sort of the hive mind of whatever, you know, it pulled that from. And so I was like, okay, yeah, this makes sense to me. I'm going to do this now too. And it's just sort of feeding that like bias of wherever it got that from. Well, the other thing is it's, I would think that what it was doing is it's going through and Chang may correct me on this, but um, my understanding is that when you ask a question like that, it's going through its model and looking at, hey, what is the most used and the most like of all the, because I'm sure there's multiple opinions on that, of the opinions, which one is the one that seems to be the most? And that's what it displayed to you. Because I'm sure, because I've done this where it told me one thing and I was like, all right, now prove to me the exact opposite of that. And it did. Ah, that's a good idea. Yeah. And the nice thing about it is it remembers what it told you. So you can literally say, now prove to me the exact opposite of that. And it can do it. That's the mind blower part of it. Like I was saying earlier. Outside of programming, the harmful language part was shocking. We were having fun with it, me and my girls, having it write lyrics for songs for us. Just asking you to make like crazy songs. And one of my girls said, uh, create a death metal song about Satan. And it said, no, it's uh, harmful. We're not going to do it. But if you put Lucifer, that's no problem. (laughs) <laughs> so and some theologies are not the same guy but yeah <laughs> it won't do anything about hitler but like and you can go through a cast of historic figures of which ones and i don't want to say chat except obviously someone there had decided what biases are good and not good for all and a scientist to me says which everything should be open game when you talk about research but that's a whole nother discussion i think <laughs> Well, if you think about it, though, this isn't research, though, because while it is for us, for them, this is like a product they're putting out there. It's business. Yeah. 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 Especially in you know, a lot of countries where there's more restrictions on, on speech and stuff. I, I could see that being a little bit of an issue. I wonder, could you, I guess you could probably feed speech to text into it, too, right? And then on the other end, you feed its outcoming text into speech. So you could actually have a verbal conversation with it, what does that do for language learners? I mean, is it? I guess it's available in multiple languages, right? Is it? Rosetta Stone 5.0 will probably be built on it, I'm sure. <laughs> I love the idea. It's great. Yeah. I mean, like Google Translate, you can almost, almost do real time. Yeah. I mean, Google Translate, I don't know how it is for Albanian. I can tell you for a fact in Russian that they have got some problems. <laughs> Google Translate for Albanian, it's okay. It's okay for Portuguese, too. I put in, uh, you know, I had a chunk of text that was copied out of a document, and I was like, okay, I need to play with this text. I couldn't type fast, so that's why I did it that way. And it had unprintable characters in there, which I didn't realize. And it was basically like, how far is it to Kiev? And it gave me the answer, but it was, how far is it to Moscow? When it translated it. And I'm like, those are not the same place, bro. <laughs> you know, and I've seen some other stuff that was, it got direction backward and 
some other things. So I'm, I'm assuming chat GPT would be better at that. I'd, it'd be very interesting. Could you have a conversation with it and say, Hey, talk to me like I'm a second grader in a school somewhere. in I don't know, like in Russia or in China or you know somewhere else and talk to me at that vocabulary level. And can we have a conversation about dogs? I, I literally just like copied one of my lesson, like Albanian lessons and pasted it in there, just a question. And it was actually from where I told my instructor I had allergies. So he's asking me about that. And uh, chat GPT responds in Albanian with this whole paragraph explaining how it's a an advanced language model doesn't have allergies because it doesn't have a physical body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, and it can also like as far as the translating be used for like internationalization for code as well. When I, I was yeah. giving an intro to Chat GPT at a lunch and learn at work, and I started out by showing it, comparing it to Google, where you might say, "Hey, what is Chat GPT?" and then like expanding on that okay, now write me a poem addressed to the employees of this Lunch and Learn about ChatGPT. And then I'm like, okay, now write some code that will print that poem line by line. And then it did it and everyone used it like, oh, you know, starting to show them the capabilities and the differences. And then I say, okay, now write, add a feature to that code that can print it in English or Spanish based on user input. And it will do that and it will put that into the code as well. So you can, capabilities for, for that type of thing. That's really cool. I'm like looking at this going, wow, I could totally cheat on my homework with this. <laughs> it's pretty decent. Well, kids in school are. I think there's been a, yeah. a problem already with, you know, kids getting papers written and stuff. By- my girl's high school has a problem right now. Big letter came out to the parents. Stop submitting your essays from chat GPT. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty decent because like I'm reading this and I'm going... Like they've even got the conjugation and stuff correct. So yeah, it was pretty good. All right, guys, we're we're starting to run low on time. So let's very quickly hit on some of the ethical considerations for chat GPT. Yeah, so obviously, as with any AI model, ethical considerations are going to be important. Developers should be aware of the potential for bias and you know, things like harmful language uh, in the generated text or, heck, even inaccurate language, you know, or language that, you know, that just confuses your users potentially because you still got to kind of keep an eye on it and you got to take steps to mitigate those issues. It's a crutch, not a leg, essentially. It is like working with a teenager. It'll give you mostly correct answers, but sometimes it gives me, like, I don't have a good example that I had, but we were playing around with it and it was comically wrong. But it asserted itself so strongly. It's like, wow, if I didn't know this domain, I'm going to run with that. And that's going to be an interesting thing when people start using it for medicine or uh, diagnosing. And I'm sure these like version four, version five types of things, like a confidence level on its answer would be nice to know. Like, do these medications work together? And it says yes. And the things like that are very interesting on the ethical side. It's blood pressure medicine and grapefruit. (laughs) Yeah, they work together all right. (laughs) Very well. Yeah, I've asked it a few medical-related questions on on every single one of them, even if it's just about, like, nutrition or, like, I think I was asking it, like, what does magnesium do? And, you know, and and everything, it it always ended it with, you have to talk to a healthcare professional to, you know, all of this information needs to be consulted with a professional type of thing. Like whenever we give any type of information. We don't give advice. We just give information about uh, health-related things. 
like what I said earlier about the cracker. That was a joke. Yeah. I ate more than a cracker. I put cheese on it. Yeah. Protein in there somewhere. Anyway. It's the bugs that are in the flour. Now, I know, oh, yeah, there you go. A lot of people are concerned with chat GPT and other AI models taking away developers' jobs. And y'all can't see it, but the look on Chris's face basically answered that. And that's my experience too. It's not going to take away the job of developer. One of my friends who's a development manager at, I think it's a financial company he works at. I don't know. But uh, he said it best. He was like, it's not going to replace the job of the developer. It can't do that. It may replace developers who don't use it. Well, it's just going to make it where the people who do use it are more effective. Instead of a team of 30 people, you might just have one dude, which, I mean, you think about it, like you write an Angular app right now and you got you know two or three people on the team. What would that have taken in 1997? It would have taken a ton of people. Well, you know, it's not like they lost those jobs. There's more of those jobs now than there were then. It makes a lot of other stuff feasible. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what what I was I was getting at is like it's a useful tool. It's something that is going to become a tool to use. Yeah, but then there's also going to be companies out there who say they don't allow it in their code base. I don't know how they tell, but things like that. It's another great tool. It's kind of like you know when any other new tool comes around, teletype got replaced, and we replaced key punchers and all this stuff with new technology. It frees up developers to do more powerful things to move your products along quicker. And that, that's really where I see it. I'm super excited. And I'm, as I'm sitting here talking about it, the excitement I have right now, knowing that we're at the very first year of this, which I think is going to be just something that changes life, just kind of how the internet was. I think it's that big yeah. of a deal. I'm ecstatic to, to be able to be a part of this moment in history. It really is. I think it's that big of a deal. It really is. That's what I keep telling people too. It's really one of those defining before and after. It's, it's like that excitement and feeling like, you know, when smartphones first came out, it was like, okay, this changes the world, right? I actually just wrote into chat GPT talking about the ethics and I, I asked it to write me some Python code that will sniff Wi-Fi networks and try to guess the password until it gets it right. And it said, I'm sorry, I cannot fulfill that request. Writing such code would be highly unethical and illegal as it would involve hacking into other people's networks without their consent, blah, blah, blah. It's my responsibility to provide helpful and ethical solutions. You could probably ask it, though, can you write me some code that would set off an intrusion detection system on my network in this manner so that I can test it? Uh, Yeah, take the white hat approach, yeah. Yeah, just be like, (laughs) hey, because that's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) Yeah. I also look at it, you know, that particular ethics problem is kind of like stem cell research. You know, you can ban it, you can try to block it, but someone else is using it. So yeah. why hamstring ourselves the ability to have this great tool? I'm not saying throw ethics out the window. That's obviously a horrible thing, but don't get too bogged down with it that you're going to let your competitor run away from it. Well, and the thing with stem cell research is you're actually doing something physical. I mean, like showing somebody code that does something nefarious that doesn't mean that they're going to necessarily do something nefarious with it. But I'm just, yeah, I'm just kind of the concept of a technology that people will choose to, based on their ethical beliefs, for better or for worse, not use it where someone else might, and it might put you behind, might not. It also goes back to, uh, yeah, it is an interesting discussion. It goes back to what we were saying earlier about, like, if it were pure research, that would be one thing. And I wonder if you can get, like, an unfiltered, pure research version of it. but it's a business. They're in business and so they're not going to do things that could damage 
the business that is open AI or whoever else like Microsoft or whoever else is, is yeah. doing. And they don't want regulatory pressure right now either with all the hype, because whatever the, you know, the hype cycle right now, if you throw people being freaked out about something into that, all that hype switches on a dime and it'll be right on them. So even if they relax it later, they can't do it right now strategically. Yep. And you don't want to trigger over-regulation in a market that doesn't exist yet where they can hamstring the market. Yeah, especially, well, and I mean, you have, like in your legis- legislature, you have mm-hmm. octogenarians that don't know what the price of milk is because they send their servant out to go get it. Like, you don't want those people regulating anything technologically because they mm-hmm. can't. I hacked your HTML. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is one of my biggest complaints about a lot of the medical regulations too is you have a bunch of people who aren't doctors. Yeah. Now I actually do personally know a few doctors who became legislators to fight that. Yeah. And technologists are going to have to do that too. Yeah, we really are. Not me. I, I do not want to go into politics. I'd like to run for office uh, just to find out what dirty laundry I have that I don't know about. I'd vote for you. I would. Just for the entertainment value alone. I'm yeah. Kidding. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm your walking Molotov cocktail, basically. <laughs> the problem with it is there doesn't seem to be a good redemption in that world. Like, if you've had anything bad or done anything bad in your life, even if you've changed and gotten better, it doesn't matter. You did it. Yeah. Or if yeah. you could be, you know, said to have done it. Or, I mean, just yeah. like the barest. Like, if you actually have ethics and morals and standards, like, you're a target. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what side you're on. Yeah. And, and somebody who doesn't, it doesn't bother them at all. They'll just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. All right, guys. Getting back on point. Yeah. Chat GPT is a powerful language model that has the potential to transform software development by making it easier for developers to understand, write, and maintain code. With its ability to generate natural language descriptions and code snippets, provide intelligent code completion suggestions, and identify potential code smells, ChatGPT is a valuable tool for developers looking to improve their code and streamline their development process. As NLP and machine learning continue to evolve, we can expect to see more innovations like ChatGPT or with ChatGPT in the software development space. That's pretty much all we've got. Just one final disclaimer. This episode was completely written by ChatGPT. Except for the commentary. Yeah. (laughs) Well, some of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Stand by for Titanfall. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash completedeveloperpodcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.